most active amongst all the men. He would race after this one and race after that one, help this person, help that person. He was very active during the day. I became amazed how, how agile this young boy is, how enthusiastic this young man is. And so I thought, I felt sorry for him and I thought maybe he needs some rest. So I did not interfere and I did not disturb him. And I began to prepare and finish and complete off the meal myself. But as I was stirring, he said, I heard a small sound coming from him. So I looked immediately at him. And all of a sudden, I see his face begin to smile. He's asleep. After a few moments, the smile grew. A few moments later, his teeth began to show. And then even a few moments later, he began to laugh in laughter and giggle. As he was laughing, his laughter began to intensify until finally he awoke. Suddenly. And he saw me in front of him with open eyes. And his smile immediately, failed, um, immediately faded away. As though he was shocked that I was there in front of him and he did not want me to be there. As though he had a secret. And then I said, and then he, he, he got up immediately and he said, Ya Ammi, I'm sorry, I didn't know that I had gone to sleep. Please, you don't have to prepare the food. Please let me. Abu Qadamah said, No, you sit down. Wallahi, I will not let you do anything until you tell me why were you laughing? He said, I was laughing. He said, Yes, you were laughing. Your laughter could reach a few meters away. He said, Ammi Abu Qadamah, since you saw me laughing and you won't let me go, I will tell you what I was dreaming about. But you have to keep it a secret between you and I. For if I tell you, maybe Allah will not accept my reward of coming here. Maybe it will be insincere. He said, please tell me. He said, I'm listening with open ears. I really want to know what he was seeing in his dream. And then the young boy said, I slept and then I noticed as if the last hour had come. The world ended. And the day of judgment came. Everybody was looking up into the sky. And then all of a sudden, I hear a voice calling out, Grab Muhammad and take him to paradise. Amongst everyone, a light came to me, a light, and took me away. And then there was a man next to me, a very handsome man. His light emanated from his face till it reached the far corners of what I could see. And he took me into Jannah. And I asked him, who are you? And he said, I am one of your servants, which Allah has made for you in Jannah, in your palace. And he said, where are you taking me? This is when he began to smile. He said, I am taking you to your wealth and to your family and to your belongings and possessions in your palace in Jannah. And so his smile grew more. And then when he reached the great gates and the great doors of his large possession. He said, I cannot enter here. For you have women inside and I am not allowed to set eyes upon them. His smile grew more. And so he entered. He said, and then I found many beautiful women. Their light was so great that I thought if they were to, relieve, to, see, to show themselves on earth, they would light the whole earth. And they grabbed my, my arm and took me away. And I thought, are you my wives? And they said, no, 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 we are just your servants. But you have your princess waiting inside Al-Khidr.
inside the tent, reclining on her silk sheets, waiting for you. And so I entered, and all of a sudden I see a woman which almost made my heart escape, made my soul escape from my body. And I said to her, Who are you? And a smile grew when his teeth began to show. And she said, I am the one whom Allah promised you. I am your wife in Jannah. I am the one who Allah gift wrapped for you. And no mu'min knows what Allah has gift wrapped for them in Jannah. Even for the women. And then he said, he came to extend his arm and touch her. And then she grabbed his arm and returned it back gently. And she said to him, No, Ya Muhammad, not now. I ask Allah to save you from any bad acts. I am not yours yet. And it is because you have saved yourself from haram acts with other women, Allah gave me to you. So keep yourself pure, Ya Muhammad. Our, our meeting is tomorrow and we shall break our fast together because Muhammad used to fast every day, one day on and one day off. And then he said, when she was speaking to me, I began to laugh and I really wanted to approach her and she would say, no, ya Muhammad, not now. No, ya Muhammad, not now. And I began to laugh and laugh until I woke up. That is my story, ya Ammi Abu Qudama. Please keep it a secret between you and me. Otherwise, my rewards will be gone. He said, it's my secret. He said, Abu Qudama, I kept my eyes watching this young boy. The next day, the, army, the enemy arrived. It was fierce. And we attacked and charged. I looked behind me where Muhammad was supposed to be standing. And all of a sudden he was right in the front. And he did not have any experience in fighting because he could not hold his sword. Muhammad had deceived Abu Qudama in saying to him he has experience. He said, I could not reach him anymore. But he was right in the front line. And he would call out, the message of his mother. Ya ibni, idha laqeetahum, fala tuwallihim duburak. If you meet them, then do not run away and show them your back. He would call out like that. Allahu Akbar. And he would fight whoever would fight him. He would fight whoever would hold the sword against him and against the Muslims. He would protect that person and then that person. Until finally Abu Qudama said, dust grew so much in my eyes and I lost sight of him. I did not know where he was. Finally, Allah gave us victory because we were fighting for a noble cause. And at the end of the victory, we started looking for our martyrs. And then I just wanted to find Muhammad, the young boy. I did not care about anyone else. I kept searching and searching. When all of a sudden I see at a distance, a young boy holding out his arm and saying, Ammi, Ammi, and I could barely hear him. So I ran to him as fast as I could. And I grabbed his beautiful head as though he was my son. And I looked at her face. At a face that was once youthful, at a face that was once beautiful, at a face that was so handsome, and a body that was so young and strong, the horses had trampled him. The wheels had crushed his bones. 
His face, his face was indescribable. And he was holding a piece of his shirt which was ripped. And he was taking deep breaths, dying. And then Abu Qudama held his face and he began to cry. He said, my son, I told you that the war is very fierce. Didn't I tell you that the battle is not what you think? Didn't I tell you and didn't I tell you that you are still young? I told you, my son, and you had to go forward. Why have you done this to yourself? And he looked at him and he said to him, Ammi Abu Qudama, this is what my mother raised me for. My father died for this cause as well. Do you want me to, do you want to deny me? And you of all people, Ya Ammi Abu Qudama, you are telling me to go back when Allah says in the Quran, and what do you fear when fighting in his cause? He said to him, Ya Ammi, this is what I want. Wallahi, I could see my palaces in front of me. If only you could see what I could see, Ya Ammi. And then he said, but I require one thing of you. My mother, when you reach her, she'll be very saddened. And she may not believe you that I have died in the cause of Allah. So I want you to take this piece of my shirt and show it to her so that she can relieve her sadness and know that I am in Jannah and that what she has raised, she will also be in Jannah with me. Let her know that do not be saddened, my mother. I died and you will be with me forever in eternity in Jannah. My mother, I died in the cause of Allah. Now it will be a guarantee that you will be with me and we will be together with my father. He said, because nothing else will calm her heart. He said, Ya Ammi Abu Qudama, I also have a young sister. Her name is Fatima. She's only eight years old. She has grown up with me to love me so much when my father passed away. And I love her extremely. However, my Am, her love I have never seen like that before. She's too attached to me. When you reach her, please try to look after her. Please try to calm her down. Please try to say soothing words to her. For I fear her consequence. She loves me too much. And don't show her, show her my shirt. Abu Qudama promised. And then while he was holding him in his arms, young Muhammad began to smile. And his smile grew. And then it grew even more. And then even more until he began to giggle with laughter. And he said, Ya Ammi Abu Qudama, La ilaha illallah, Inni la ajidul mardiyata jambi jambi. The woman that he saw in his dreams, her name was Mardiyah. Mardiyah, the pleasing one. He said, Ya Ammi Abu Qudama, look at her. She has just come down from the sky and she is lying beside me holding my hand. She's waiting for me, Ya Am. Allah sadaqani wa'dah. He gave me what he has promised. I am going to Jannah with Mardiyah. She will keep me company, Ya Ammi Abu Qudama. Our secret between you and I. And then he died while he was, do while he was biting onto his lip like this and saying to Abu Qudama, Ya Ammi, remember our secret. And he died and went to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a noble death. And then Abu Qudama went back to his land, into, his, into the village in Raqqa. And all the women went out to meet the Mujahideen. And then came the mother of Muhammad, searching for him. And then she came up to Abu Qudama and she said to him, My son, where is my son? Abu Qudama looked at her and said, He passed away. And he says, He fought in the front line without returning back. And he did what you had advised him and what you trained him to do. He said, I do not believe you. 
I don't believe you. Just as her son said. And then he said, but he told me to give you this shirt. And she looked at his shirt and she looked at it and examined it. And she knew that it was the blood and the stains of her young son, Muhammad. And then she cried and put her arms up to Allah. And she said, Alhamdulillah, the one who has saved my son. I will now definitely be guaranteed that I will be reunited with him and my husband. But before that, Abu Qudama saw something, a young girl racing towards every man, fluttering like a butterfly, touching this man and looking at him, then touching another man and looking at him, then turning another man around and examining his face like a young child does. And Abu Qudama knew that this was Fatima looking for her brother. And so I went up to Fatima and I grabbed her and I hugged her and kissed her and I said to her, what are you looking for? And Fatima said, my brother, Muhammad, where's Muhammad? Where's Muhammad? Do you know where Muhammad is? Do you know where Muhammad is, my brother? I love him. I want to see him. And he promised me that he will return. Because Muhammad said to Abu Qudama, he said to him before he died, I promised my sister that I'm going to return. Otherwise, she would have never left me. But I'm not going to return. He said he promised him that he's going to come back. Where is he? Abu Qudama started to cry. And he said to him, Fatima, your brother says, Assalamu alaikum to you. And he says that soon you're going to meet him in Jannah, insha'Allah. She said, Jannah? Did he die? Abu Qudama said, Yes, but he died a noble cause before he could finish this word. Fatima took a very deep breath and she fell unconscious to the ground. He came to pick her up, but the mother raced to her and she said, leave her. And she took her daughter away and into the room. Abu Qudama knocked and knocked, but it was too late. He heard the mother inside crying and saying, Oh my Lord, my husband died for your cause and he is in Jannah, insha'Allah. My son, I have sacrificed him for you, Ya Allah, and I have raised him. Please do not, do not deny me my presence and my unity with him in Jannah. And now my daughter has passed away and followed her brother. Ya Allah, my husband, my son, and my daughter, they are all to you. Inna lillah wa inna ilayhi raji'oon. To Allah we belong, and to him we shall return. Oh Allah, guarantee me a place in Jannah with them. Oh Allah, unite me with them. And she began to cry until her voice faded away into the darkness. Abu Qudama kept knocking, but she would not open for him. He said, so I left her. And I went away. Until this day, my dear companions, the story has remained unexplainable to me. And I do not know, the the, I do, I do not know what happened after that. These, my dear brothers and sisters, were the stories of those who fight sincerely in their hearts towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These were the ones who sincerely in their hearts struggled for Jannah. Do we struggle for Jannah in any way? Are we able to sacrifice something, my dear brothers and sisters, in any way? La wallah. I see that a lot of us think about themselves before others. A lot of us think about our needs and our stomachs and our pockets before any other people. I see even more than that. Some of the Muslims today who claim to be Muslims, they say, we take riba and usury from the bank because we are in need. In need for what? They want to buy an expensive house with riba. They want to reach that objective of $100,000. This is their necessity. 
And they say they are in need thinking about the shaitan ways. We see people who do not even think about others anymore. Don't donate even a date, a date from their pockets for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When you are filling up petrol, forget about filling up $25. Fill up $20 and leave that $5 in donation for sabilillah. When you buy your cigarettes, forget about paying for a cigarette today, for a box today. Leave it till tomorrow and rather put that money for donation. Donate to the causes that are ongoing, an ongoing charity, ongoing knowledge, which will benefit you in your grave. Places which encourage this and work towards it. Think about your brothers before you think about yourselves. This is the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to be, my dear brothers and sisters. In these stories there are examples, and there were wisdoms. I have left you with these wisdoms and with these examples. Allah says, and I end it with this. Allah says, and so relate the stories to them so that they may contemplate and think. Not stories that are lies, but stories of true fact that will make you come closer to Allah and into Jannah. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to unite us in Jannah. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us one of those who truly desire Jannah. For if you do not desire Jannah, how can you enter it? We ask Allah to save us from hellfire. Allahumma, save us from hellfire. Allahumma, we seek refuge in you from your anger. Allahumma, we ask you to let us unite and drink from the hawd, from the fountain of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Oh Allah, make us one of those whom the prophets and the martyrs, whom the prophets and the martyrs will envy and be jealous of on the day of judgment. They are the ones who are mutahaboon. They are the ones who love each other for the sake of Allah. Oh Allah, let us be on high towers on the day of judgment by our love for one another, through our love for one another. Allah, Allahumma la tamna'ana al-jannah. Allahumma la tamna'ana اللهم لا تمنعنا نهر الكوثر ولا تمنعنا السلسبيل ولا تمنعنا تسنيم ولا تمنعنا الفردوس الأعلى اللهم آمين I thank you for listening my dear brothers and sisters سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك أشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت أستغفرك وأتوب إليك والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته طيب brothers and sisters السلام عليكم ورحمة الله Inshallah, we won't take too much of your time for questions and answers. We probably won't go through them all. Uh, I'll go through the first question. The two stories, the questioner asks, the two stories that you said, are they really true? I don't know which story, two stories, but they are all true, brother or sister. And all the other stories before were based on hadiths. Read in Rijal Hawl al-Rasul, there are also little tiny booklets which scholars have also written. A lot of tapes that talk about these things. Uh, and the last story is from a book called Al-Bidaya wa Nihaya. talks about the history of Islam. And I also heard that story from uh, a sheikh, a sheikh from Riyadh. Yani it's, it's, a known, uh, it's a known tape. It's a known story. We never tell false stories. 
Because false stories is not what a Muslim says. It's haram to tell a story which is a lie unless you tell the people it's not true. So these are true stories, mark my words. It is stated that we do not enter Jannah till after Judgment Day and this is a known fact. I am just curious as to why so many hadiths state that certain companions have entered Jannah and meet each other there, etc. Brother or sister in Islam, first of all, not everyone enters Jannah conditionally after the Day of Judgment. There are people who beat other people to Jannah. There are people who go in without being judged at all, such as the shuhada. And did you hear the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ that says, 70,000 of my ummah shall enter Jannah without hisab or adab, without judgment or any type of torture. So Jannah is not necessarily, you don't necessarily enter it after Judgment Day has ended. But you will go in groups. But you have to wait at the door of Jannah until the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ enters it first. That's the only difference. So the first part, it's not a fact that everyone enters Jannah after Judgment Day. But as soon as Allah descends to begin the Judgment, then people start to enter afwajan afwaja, meaning in groups. Not as soon as they are resurrected, but as soon as the Prophet Muhammad prostrates to Allah and says, and Allah then descends when his anger calms down and he says to the Prophet Ya Muhammad, Lift your head. Make intercession, I will give you, and ask for whatever you like, I will give you. And then he says, Ya Rabbi Ummati Ummati, my nation, my nation. And then Allah begins to call out, Enter such a people in, and enter such a people in, and so on and so on. And judgment here and judgment there. Secondly, uh, why hadiths, uh, many hadiths state about companions and others were entering Jannah as though it is speaking about the present time. Brother and sister, this is the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks. Because to Allah, time has already passed. Did you hear the verse in the Qur'an where Allah says, وَإِنَّ يَوْمًا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ كَأَلْفِ سَنَةٍ مِمَّا تَعُدُّونَ One day to Allah is like a thousand years of what we count. And that's only one day to Allah. Everything has already happened to Allah. Secondly, Allah's knowledge of everything is already there before He began creation, before He even created the pen, before time. Allah knew. And so He speaks, Allah SWT speaks as though it is now to us, but because He does not need to say in the future. Because the future can change. But to Allah, He already knows what the future is. So it does not need to say in the future. Another question. The questioner asks, I hear you and understand you with every minute. Struggle to attain Jannah. Yes, that is one of the main points. But I have a concern. How can you struggle and want to feel this sense of poverty and struggle? If you have a family who are Muslim, but love the banks, and go against everything you do, according to Deen al-Islam, and you're only so young. 
This is a question from a sister. May Allah reward you for having that concern. First of all, you don't need to have that sense of poverty. No. You don't need to feel poverty. No, no. This is not what the message was. Feeling poverty is one thing. But when poverty doesn't affect you is another thing. A Muslim is not affected by poverty. And in Islam, be careful. There are people who, you are, who have rights over you and you are responsible for to provide them with wealth first. Such as, for example, the husband is in charge of his wife and his children first and then his parents. Your sadaqah is to them first. And if you have nothing else, let it be to them. Keep that in mind. A person who feels poverty is a person who is afraid of poverty. Yani what I mean by that? A person who feels poverty in the sense where he is afraid of poverty is not a good feeling. Because the shaitan says, Allah says in the Quran, الشَّيْطَانُ يَعِدُكُمُ الْفَقْرِ He promises you that you're going to become poor. This is what happens to people who go to banks of riba. Why do they go there? When they say to us, it is a necessity. Do you know what that necessity is? No, they haven't ended up on the street. No, they do have a place to live in. They're renting, for example. What they're talking about is the future. One day they're going to end up on the street. They don't know what the future is. That's what the shaitan is promising them. He's promising them poverty. This type of feeling is not a good feeling. But to know that you are a little bit poor in money, ask Allah for more, there is nothing wrong with that. To want to be rich, there is nothing wrong with that. But the fear of poverty, the fear of the future, making you go to do haram, that's what we're talking about. Many companions struggled for Jannah and loved it, but they were rich. But they gave from their wealth their rights. You ask, your family goes to banks and you are so young, and I, extra to that, you are a sister, a female. A female often has a less effect against her father or her brothers, for example, because men these days, they have so much pride. They can't accept an advice from a child or a woman, which is quite very on the contrary in Islam. Sister, you are to do what you are able to do with your tongue. First of all, with your hands. If you're able to change something with your hand, change it. If you can't, change it with your mouth. Speak good words of wisdom, like what the Prophet used to speak. <clears throat> if you can't, <clears throat> if you're unable to speak with your mouth, what I mean by that, not that if you speak to them and they don't listen, no, no, that's giving up hope. I'm saying if you can't, meaning there's something stopping you from talking. Then the Prophet ﷺ said, then hate it in your heart. And watch out for yourself. Allah says, يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسِ عَلَيْكُمْ بِأَنفُسِكُمْ لَا يَضُرُّكُمْ مَنْ ضَلَّ إِذَا اهْتَدَيْتُمْ O people, you are to be worried about yourselves. No one can harm you if you are guided. So this is what you do, sister. You are so young. Uh, youth is not a, an obstacle, insha'Allah. But try your best and earn the rewards. Be sincere to Allah, wanting Jannah. Uh, guiding someone is in the hands of Allah. It's not your decision. It's not our. It's not my. Yani, it's not my business whether someone accepts or rejects. My business is that I do my duty, and that's all that Allah asks of you. Don't stress. Don't feel. Yani, don't, don't sort of blame yourself for anything. Do your worship properly. Do your duties as far as you can, and save yourself first.
Very simple. Someone has made a statement here from the sisters. <clears throat> a, word of, a word of advice to my brothers. As a teacher, I know that sometimes the young boys and girls can feel intimidated by their elders religiously, mentally and physically. I want to ask a favor. I want the young people here today not to feel shy and hold back in searching for knowledge. I want them to look at the youngest Khalifa in Islam. His name is Muhammad Al-Fatih. And take him as an example. Constantinople, Constantinia, he opened Constantinople after the Crusaders took it. He was only 17 years of age and was the head of the Muslim Ummah. I urge all of you to find out the story and from and, and search for more like him and maybe one day become like him, insha'Allah. I ask Allah to make the Ummah, Ummah Muhammad pious and loving to one another. Somebody once asked me, how do you think the Muslims will become or what they would come to? I answered, look at its youth. Change for Jannah. Jazakallah khairan wa iyakum. And yes, as though this person took the words out of my mind and spoke them. Also another question. The questioner asks, I have been practicing Islam for three years now and I wore hijab, which is in the past tense. But I have taken my hijab off eight months ago. I can't handle it. Will I enter paradise? A person to ask this question means, just by asking that question, means that they are concerned about what Allah thinks of them. This is the first step to a sister wearing her hijab in the beginning. Not just hijab, first step to praying, first step to uh, fasting, first step to donating, all of these things. To recognize Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When you ask this question, it means that you are concerned about what Allah thinks. So alhamdulillah, this is good. Just because of that, and I can't really answer if you're entering Jannah. I can't say that I'm entering Jannah. Muhammad sallallahu himself said, Wallahi, no one will enter Jannah without the mercy of Allah. They said, not even you, Ya Rasulullah. They said, not even I. Only if Allah wants to give me mercy. So no one can guarantee Jannah. And I cannot judge who enters Jannah and who enters Hellfire. Even if you didn't wear the hijab. But what I can say is this. Keep Allah in your mind and realize your tawheed. When you ask Allah and you ask, is Allah going to punish me or not? It means that you 